0: Chiefs, and we're proud the we're the Chiefs, and we proud the Chiefs, and we Alright, what's going on guys? Farzine Vasugin here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to download and listen. For all of you watching live on Facebook and YouTube, shout out to you guys as well. Big thanks to all of you making the Chief Zone part of your your morning, your afternoon, your night, whatever uh, time of day it may be for you while you are listening in. Merry Christmas to all of you. This will be the final show before Christmas, so I want to get that out of the way. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of you. Hope you all have a safe and happy Christmas and holiday season. Is that okay to say Christmas and holiday season? I'm not not offending anyone, I'm not stepping on uh, on uh, any toes over that, am I? Hopefully not. But if you're upset stay upset but nonetheless uh second episode we are doing this week obviously a bit of a different week uh making up for no show last week uh no red friday live chat today since we pushed the podcast back to today uh so instead we are doing the show live on a friday evening uh some things to get into of course going to be breaking down the game between the chiefs and the raiders on christmas day that'll be uh broadcast on two different networks should be interesting Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, both leading the NFL in a stat that a lot of you probably were not aware of, and I think it is worth bringing up. A UFC fighter went after Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid commented on Connor Embry, the wide receivers coach. Connor Embry also spoke on Friday, worth bringing up um, his comments about Kadarius Toney. Chiefs signed a couple of players as well to add to their offense. So we'll talk about all of that and more on this episode here on the Chief Zone podcast. Facebook.com slash Farz. If you see you can, that as a Facebook page, YouTube.com slash at the Chief Zone, that is the YouTube page. You can watch the shows live from there, also while uh, archived. So if you missed any of the show live and uh, you prefer the video version, you can check it out there. Before we move on, want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, I am more of a, uh, of a viewer from home. I like to watch sports from home mostly, but when I do go out to games such as the Chiefs Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium, I went to earlier this year, went to the NFL season opener between the Chiefs and Lions, went to the Big 12 championship game in downtown Kansas City, the Western Conference Finals earlier this year in Las Vegas. That is big thanks to the guys over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the spot to go to to buy your tickets, whether it's a football game, bowl season going on right now, college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, baseball tickets already out there. You want to catch the Royals later this year, you can do so through SeatGeek. If there's a green dot next to the ticket price, that is good. Definitely worth getting that ticket. If there's a red dot next to it, avoid it. That means you would be overpaying for that ticket. So go to SeatGeek.com and if you're a new customer, you can use my promo code FARZINE for $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. This is only good for first-time customers for SeatGeek. So go to SeatGeek.com at checkout, use my promo code FARZINE and save yourself $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Before we do start, I do want to mention uh, Ed Buddy, who passed away earlier this week. Uh, I believe at the age of 83, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive guard, played for the Chiefs in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, for those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast, uh, you all know that I've had Ed Buddy on this podcast uh, a few times uh, back in the day. Uh, still remember how that happened. My dad uh, threw a client of his at the time. Uh, actually uh, met Ed Buddy, a mutual connection, essentially, and uh, my dad just said, hey, listen, my son does a podcast. It'd be so cool if uh, if you gave him the time uh, to interview you, and uh, Ed was, didn't even hesitate, uh, immediately gave my dad his number to give to me. Um, so I will never forget that about Ed on a personal level. Um So uh, it's just hard to speak about um, a subject like this because uh, I did um, get to know Ed a little bit on a personal level. So very sad. um, Very sad that uh, we lost Ed Buddy, one of the good guys truly in the sport. And I remember talking to him one time about his son who also played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Brad Buddy. If you guys uh, saw the NFL draft, both Ed and Brad together got to announce a draft pick. I don't know if it was a Chiefs draft pick. I think it was a Chiefs draft pick. Um, but they got to do it together, which was such a cool moment for the two of them. Uh, I think Ed Buddy truly is the most underrated offensive lineman in NFL history. Um, I've said this many times. the 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 Chiefs that won uh, the the team that won the Super Bowl, um, the, the group they had in the late '60s, uh, going to two Super Bowls, winning the uh, the second against the Minnesota Vikings. That is. Um, that is a team that is mostly known for their defense. I mean, you look at the defensive side of the Ball, Bobby Bell, Willie Lanier, Buck Buchanan, uh, Emmett Thomas. Uh, there's so many guys on that defense in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. But the only offensive player from that team in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is Len Dawson. And I think, you know, I think Jim Tyre should be in, but he won't given how things ended with him. Uh, Ed Buddy, this was the first offensive lineman to win the AP Offensive Player of the Week Award, uh, which obviously you don't see many offensive linemen win that award, hardly ever. Might happen once every three, four, maybe five years. Um, I think nowadays in the NFL with all these offensive stats and especially with sports betting and uh, the props you can do, I I think people focus far more on those props. Skill position players and offensive players. You never see an offensive lineman win uh, offensive player of the year or offensive rookie of the year, anything like that. And I think that's a shame because uh, it truly does tell you how undervalued offensive linemen are from a public's perspective. Um, Look at Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, The guy wanted to go to a Pro Bowl because a lot of these guys do get bonuses on their contracts. Uh, Schwartz was the highest graded uh, offensive lineman by PFF for multiple seasons consecutively, too, but never went to a Pro Bowl. So, um, you know, I, I think there needs to be something done to recognize offensive linemen more in this manner. But I, I, not to get too off topic, but I think Ed Buddy and Otis Taylor, uh, both guys we have lost um, recently, two guys who should be in the Hall of Fame, absolutely 100 percent should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And. You know, they're still, uh, I, I'd never say never, I guess. There's a chance they can always get in, but um, unfortunately, um, they're no longer with us to be able to to have that. But I still think you can still make it happen. Um, there's no reason why those two guys should not be in. Unfortunately, I don't think it happens because as we, as the years go by, you have more and more former players that had played the game a lot of them who did really well and we are in an era of recency bias and a lot of the uh players you you see who had played more recently get in sooner than expected um so uh i don't know it'd be an uphill battle uh i hope it happens for ed buddy and otis taylor one day uh but i did want to recognize uh the loss of ed buddy on this podcast before we move on to uh talk about the chiefs in this game by the way, for those of you joining in the uh, comments, please uh, let me know your thoughts on anything. Uh, yes, Alexander. Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, concerts, whatever whatever you, uh, you want to consider. By the way, I see a lot of uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Thank you, you guys. I see you guys. Samuel, uh, D, uh, a lot of you guys appreciate it. So uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you guys as well. Uh, if you guys have any comments, uh, questions, let me know. Since we're not doing a Red Friday live chat tonight, um I would be willing to take some uh, some questions and comments here more than I usually do on the chief zone. So uh feel free to let me know your thoughts on anything uh that uh, you guys are thinking about here. Uh let me uh, uh Dale says I hope Justin Ross will get quality snaps, but Andy probably won't. And keep MVS in the, the word has been that Justin Ross has had a very difficult time. And by the way, thanks for the happy holidays, Dale, you as well. And everyone else uh, watching uh, and listening. Um, he's had a very difficult time. Understanding the offense, kind of getting a grasp of the offense, which is a shame because for a year and a half, he's had a lot of hype. And we're just not seeing it. We're not seeing it. I thought he looked good in the preseason. Definitely. Definitely. Good enough to get a roster spot, um, but we're not seeing that transition, that, that that hype that a lot of people said that he's a um, he's a first round talent, not even close to it. Uh, in fact, the things we've heard about him uh, in practice, at least. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, by the way, Susan, you're asking uh, my projection for the score. I will share that later on in the podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, If you're not able to watch all the way through, you can definitely come back and uh, watch the archived version of the podcast, whether it's on here, YouTube, uh, or any of the podcasting sites uh, later on. Uh, So I'll get back to you guys' comments here. I do want to talk about Thursday's practice. Canaries, Tony didn't practice with a hip injury. Jarek McKinnon with a groin injury. Nick Bolton had a wrist and an illness yesterday, but did practice today, returned to practice today. Cam Jones also had an illness, but... Uh, uh, also missed today's practice. Donovan Smith returned to practice yesterday, but did miss uh, today's practice, which I thought was interesting. McCall Hardman, uh, they started the 21 day window for his practice, so he returned to practice yesterday and was limited in practice today. Isaiah Pacheco, not on the injury report, which is great news. Uh, he, uh, of course, coming off that shoulder surgery, very minor, just a cleanup procedure there. Uh, practiced yesterday for the first time in almost three weeks, so he is practicing. Now, the Chiefs do have two new players that they signed earlier this week. The first, uh, wide receiver Anthony Miller, former Chicago Bear, who played under Matt Nagy in Chicago, also played in Houston, Pittsburgh, uh, San Francisco, and Indianapolis. Uh, With San Francisco, it was only during the preseason, and with Indianapolis, it was only... Uh, a part of their practice squad earlier this year, only for a week too. Uh, never started more than seven games in a season. 2019 was his best year where he had 52 catches for 656 yards and a pair of touchdowns. He did have seven touchdown catches as a rookie though. So he's had some success, but not on a consistent basis, no long-term uh, success that would make you think that this guy is a solution um, to anything uh, in the imminent future, but uh familiarity, Uh, especially when you have an offense that's struggling right now, um, certainly worth the signing in my eyes. Um, Again, is this a guy who comes back and maybe sticks around and tries out for the team next year? Possibly. We don't know exactly that. But uh, given that the wide receivers have not been very good this year, uh, even though the coaches are trying to convince you otherwise, um, uh, yeah, you know, I think there's, if you're a wide receiver and you want to make an NFL team, you want to show yourself, yeah, Kansas City would be the spot to go to. Uh, Why not? The other tight end, uh, the other uh, pass catcher, I should say, tight end Isaiah Gaythings, an undrafted rookie from Middle Tennessee State, was with the New York Jets earlier in the offseason. Uh, I believe spent a little bit of time with the Chiefs during training camp and now is back in Kansas City. Um, I could not find any stats on this guy, but there is a picture of him in a Chiefs jersey. And I don't think this is a guy that a lot of people ever talked about either, but uh, has somewhat uh, some... Uh, Uh, familiarity with the Chiefs, though very minimal. So Gaything's a part of the Kansas City Chiefs team, and I believe they're both on the practice squad for now, Um, but that could change uh, maybe later on, so we'll see. All right, before we move on, got to give a shout-out to another sponsor of ours, Cable Dahmer Cadillac. I got my first Cadillac. Earlier this year, I got to tell you, I love it, man. I really do. Now, it might be too late to make a purchase for the holiday season, but never too late to make a change. If you are in the market for a new vehicle, whether it is a Cadillac or any other vehicle, new or used, go ask for Scott Toddy over at Cable Dharma Cadillac in Kansas City, which is off 435 uh, near state line. So go there, ask for Scott Toddy. My brother purchased a car from him. I purchased a car from him. So he's very familiar with my family and I, uh, for sure. So uh, Scott, uh, almost like uh, he knows the family on a personal level. So go ask for Scott Toddy. He'll help you out. Very knowledgeable, knows a lot about the industry, knows a lot about the vehicles. And the thing with a lot of new cars today is they come with so many bells and whistles and Cable Cadillac will take care of you. So when you leave the parking lot, when you leave the dealership, you will leave knowing everything you need to know about your vehicle. My vehicle has Wi-Fi. I, I, I didn't know, know cars could have Wi-Fi. Um, Super Cruise, which is a very unique. It's almost like cruise control, but the steering wheel works on its own. I have tried it. It's a, it's a little scary, but it, it's actually a cool feature. Um, and so many other great features, uh, on uh, on the uh, Neo Cadillac XT6 that I got. The technology package, very cool. So go to Cable Arm Cadillac off 435 and State Line in Kansas City, Missouri, and ask for Scott Toddy. Tell him Farzine Vesugian sent you. All right. Uh, I, d- I told you guys I wanted to share a couple of stats that I think might surprise some people. It definitely surprised me when I saw this on social media. So Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in total yards, passing and rushing. I want to to be clear about this because I said this clearly, and I think some people were still confused about this. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in total yards, which means passing yards and rushing yards with 4,307 yards, or excuse me, 4,037 yards. Uh, if you guys recall, last year he broke the NFL record for most total yards in a single season. Now I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, he played 17 games, folks." We're going to have an 18 game, se- uh, 18 game seasons very soon. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So a lot of NFL records you saw from back when they had they played 16 games in a season or 14 games in a season. I mean, they're all going to be broken. Uh, once we switch over to the 18-game format. Um, so a lot of records are going to be broken. Now, I do agree. I think something should be done about it to maybe help separate some of those uh, categories, uh, put uh, whatever records were broken in the 14-game format, 16-game format, and so on and so forth. You get the idea. Uh, but nonetheless, Patrick Mullins leads the NFL right now with uh, total yards, 4,037 yards. This is while his offense is leading the league in dropped passes. Now, I didn't get a chance to read too much into this, but I did see a headline that the Chiefs are dropping passes almost at a very similar late, rate to the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Just remember that team a few years ago. Uh, I believe it was coached by Hugh Jackson. So, that is the state of the Chiefs' offense. They're dropping passes at a rate a winless team once had, but their quarterback is leading the NFL in total yards. If that doesn't tell you what kind of quarterback Patrick Mahomes is, I've got nothing else for you. Now I'm not so here to suggest that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. I don't think he's in the top five off the top of my head. Uh, if I had to give you an order, I would say Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy. I still think Dak Prescott is up there. I really do. I think Tyree Hill should be in the conversation. I know he has not played a whole lot lately, but still should absolutely be in the conversation for MVP. Uh, I think I gave four right there. I think Lamar Jackson definitely should be in the MVP conversation as well. The fifth one probably up for debate, but uh, those are my top five right now if I had to give them to you. Um, Another stat that the Chiefs uh, have a league leader in, Travis Kelsey leads all tight ends in receiving yards with 924 yards. That is not bad for a 34-year-old player who missed the first game of the year who has dealt with a knee injury an ankle injury and just recently with an elbow injury oh and by the way isn't he according to a lot of people on twitter isn't he old and washed up According to the same people on Twitter, he doesn't care for football anymore. He's more focused on the entertainment industry. He's more focused on being in front of the camera. He's more focused on his girlfriend. Uh, Yet somehow, someway, he has more receiving yards than any other tight end out there. Is Travis Kelsey having the type of season he normally has? No, he's not. Uh, He's getting older. The injuries are definitely starting to take a toll on him. Yet this guy is still leading his position in receiving yards. Uh, He has plenty of time to do this, but I think he can do it this week. He will become the seventh player in NFL history to have eight straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. Okay, just to give you an idea of some of those players who uh, accomplished that feat, it's a very short list, and they're all wide receivers, obviously, because no other tight end has had more than three or four yards of uh, 1,000 yards receiving I said yards, I meant years, um, of a 1,000 yards receiving in a career. Travis Kelsey is very close to doing it for eight straight seasons. And to tell you some of the guys on that list, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, Chris Carter, Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, and obviously an active player, Mike Evans. Those are the only six players to have eight straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. And Travis Kelsey is a tight end Doing that. That is pretty damn impressive. And not bad for a guy. Who again. Supposedly is um, is old and washed up. And doesn't care about football anymore. And is more focused on his girlfriend. Or all these other things that people are talking about. So not bad at all. If you are Travis Kelsey. So, uh, Listen man. I, I know we're, we've been down on this offense. I have been as well. But I think you have some key pieces to lean on. I think come playoff time. You don't treat Rasheed Rice like a rookie. Now, he might have those rookie jitters that every rookie will have for their first playoff game. Uh, I mean, he's human. Uh, I mean, if, if I was a, a rookie playing in the NFL, no matter how good my rookie season was, I'd probably be a little nervous going into my first playoff game. But I think once you get a few snaps in, uh, once you get that first quarter under your belt, you'll feel pretty good about things. Uh, because the Chiefs are going to need Rasheed Rice in the playoffs. They're going to need Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. The running backs... Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gained a lot of favor recently uh, from a lot of fans. Um, maybe not the way we wanted it to happen because the standard is not very high right now considering the uh, wide receivers and the whole drop situation going on. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire ha- probably has made the best catch in the end zone so far by a player this year. Um, so the running backs, are that's definitely a crew that you want to utilize come playoff time. And hopefully, Jarek McKinnon, his groin injury isn't as serious as it sounds. Um, Well, I shouldn't say it's as serious as it sounds. We don't know the severity of it, uh, though he's not practicing this week so far. We'll see uh, tomorrow uh, what the injury report has for us. But um, you hope that he can at least come back come playoff time because you need that guy. You know what Jarek McKinnon is capable of. Isaiah Pacheco is coming back, a guy who has been very consistent for your offense this year, one of the few bright spots for your offense this year. The Chiefs do have the pieces to succeed and move on. It's just, you know, these offensive receivers, uh, guys like Kadarius Toney and Marquez Valdez-Scanling, they're good at getting separation. Uh, But the drops have been a, a killer for this offense, for sure. So at some point, you got to think that improvement's coming, even though it's so late in the season. And if not, well... I think you've got some other guys you can rely on. I know a lot of people want to see more of Noah Gray. Me as well. Uh, Someone in the comment was mentioning Richie James. Um, Yeah, Jim uh, was talking about Richie James, hoping that he gets more snaps and more. And he will because Sky Moore is on the injury report. I'm sorry, not the injury report. On injured reserve. But uh, Andy Reid did say there is a possibility he could come back. I would not put money on it, but um, they know more than I do for sure. So you got some guys on offense. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. You have some pieces there to work with come playoff time. And listen, you got a couple of tough games coming up. Uh, You got Cincinnati, whose offense is playing very well with Jake Browning, honestly better than Joe Burrow was this year. Uh, But that Bengals defense has been garbage all year long. One of the worst third down defenses, missing a lot of tackles all year. So Kansas City has an opportunity to really uh, score a lot of points on New Year's Eve. Just hope the defense can keep up uh, with the, uh, with the Bengals offense. And then you have the chargers. um, You know, I, I, at the time, you know, I said it it would still be a tough game, but that was when Justin Herbert was there. If it's going to be Easton stick, well, you got yourself another win there. Uh, Chiefs are facing all backup quarterbacks the rest of the season, the regular season that is. Um, And listen, with all the uh, quarterbacks getting hurt this year, there's a possibility they may face a backup quarterback in the playoffs. So, uh if you're the Chiefs defense, man, you gotta hope that you know you continue the success that you have and the offense has the offense has to take advantage at some point. Absolutely has to do so at some point. You're saying uh Justin Watson needs more targets, Milton. Yeah. I mean he's had a lot of drops, but he's your second best wide receiver, so I can understand where you're coming from there. Rochelle says, maybe you discussed it already, but what about the underinflated balls in the Patriots game? Is that normal to know before the game? Belichick said he knew. I thought I think Belichick said he, he the team was not involved. So, you know, we have not discussed this yet. Uh, I'll get into it very uh, briefly. For those who don't know, there were deflated footballs in Foxborough in a game between the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots. Imagine that. Deflated footballs in Foxborough. Where have we seen that before? Boy. Um, Listen, I'm not here to suggest anything. I I, I think I remember um, someone from the Colts defense went on Twitter at the time and said, look, we we could have played with a slippery slope and we still got our asses kicked in that game. But it is a little weird that these things keep happening to the same like Spygate, Deflategate. um, Didn't the Patriots get caught in 2020 for spying on the Bengals? At the time, the Bengals were the worst team in the NFL or the second worst team in the NFL. Like, what, what, listen, I have a lot of respect for Bill Belichick, though I think there is some truth to the fact that he's not the high and mighty coach without Tom Brady. But why do you have all of these things that are constantly ha- Like, this is not, at some point, it's not a coincidence, okay? At some point, these kinds of things are just not a coincidence. Um, but in the first quarter, there were deflated footballs, uh, hence why both kickers missed. So if you want to, uh, by the way, I made a joke um, on um, on X. I know I call it Twitter already, but um, I made a joke on there saying that Harrison Bucker is 0 for 1 when he kicks deflated balls. He is perfect uh, when kicking a ball that's not deflated. And a couple Patriots fans got all worked up about it. It was a joke, people. Relax. Relax. Um Don't remember the kid's name. They traded to the Panthers. Oh yeah, I mean Amir Smith Marset. Yeah, I was a little I mean you can't keep eight receivers. But man, you have seven. I, obviously knowing the things we know now, Amir Smith Marset would have been a better option over uh Justin Ross. Um, I'm not quite sure why Smith-Marset's not getting playing time on offense. I know there was a Thursday night game. It was the same Thursday night game. Jason Kelsey was a guest broadcaster. And uh, Smith-Marset had a punt return touchdown, which was cool to see. But that's all we've really seen from Smith-Marset so far um, this year. Yeah, CEH did show up 100%. Uh, Yeah, look at the the chat. People really coming around with CEH. It's good to see. Good to see, indeed. Uh, one thing, a couple other things uh, I want to get into before we talk about the Chiefs and the Raiders game. So Andy Reid was asked during Thursday's press conference about the job that Connor Embry has been doing, said that he's doing a good job and used Rasheed Rice's development as evidence of this. Okay, one out of seven, not bad. I guess that's, you know, if you got one out of seven, you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. Uh, Connor Embry did speak to the media today. The position coaches usually speak once a month, uh, just a couple times this season. And Embry was asked about Kadarius Tony and the job he's done. Obviously, Tony has had a lot of drops uh, this year, especially recently. Of course, the offside call against the Buffalo Bills. And Connor was asked about the job that Kadarius Tony's doing. His response: "Quote, he's been doing good." Uh, And he talks about grading him and says that, you know, he doesn't give him Fs on these uh, grades for the games. Interesting. Uh, And then he also said he doesn't let all of the noise, all the noise uh, get to him. Okay, that is a lie because Kadarius Tony has spent a lot of time responding to New York Giants fans that troll him on social media. So that is all complete bullshit. Um. Listen, I'm not expecting Andy Reid or any or anybody for that matter to throw anyone under the bus. Patrick Mahomes, you saw some frustration in his face when he threw that interception to Kadarius Tony. Uh, even in that. Um, I'm sorry, not interception to KT, but you know what I meant. Uh, off his hands, that went for a pick. Even uh, on that pass to MVS, that should have been a touchdown against the Eagles. You hear Mahomes in the press conference, and he always does this when the team loses and it's not on him. He says, yeah, I should have. I could have thrown a better ball there. Like, he's always taking the blame whenever it's really not his fault. Um, so you're not going to see anyone on this team start pointing fingers publicly. I'm sure a lot of discussions are being ha- had in cl- behind closed doors. I was listening to this NFL uh, series, Series XM NFL radio on my way, um, getting ready for the podcast. And they were talking about the, uh, the fact that Pete Carroll, the week before, had actually called out a couple of players publicly when he went on local radio in Seattle to do his uh, weekly interview uh, for that station. And you don't see coaches do that kind of thing. You don't see... Coaches call out players, specifically certain individuals. So to me, it's like, um, you know, you got to be careful with that kind of thing because that can hurt a football team's morale, especially especially a team like Seattle that is fighting for a playoff spot, whereas the Chiefs are in a very comfortable position. Uh, All they have to do is just win one game of the three remaining and they win the AFC West. Obviously, they have much higher aspirations than that. Um, trying to get the number one seed, probably will get the two seed, um, but you get the idea. The Chiefs are just not going to do that kind of thing. But when you are going to tell us publicly that, um, you know, Rasheed Rice, he, because he's doing so well as a rookie receiver, our position coach is doing very well, and the position coach is trying to convince us that Kadarius Tony is is doing good this year. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but that is just not true. Um, and I'm pulling up the stat. Kadarius Tony's averaging like five or six yards a catch. Yeah. He's averaging 6.3 yards per catch. He has 27 receptions for 169 yards. Okay. You are, you're playing 169 yards. How many games has Kadarius Tony missed this year? Uh, he's played 13 games, 13 games, 169 yards with that kind of speed. And you're really trying to convince us that. Sorry about that. You're really trying to convince us that he's doing well. Listen, I understand that fans are fans and the media is the media and that none of us know the intricacies, the specific intricacies of the sport of football. I get that. But you don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be a player. You don't have to be a scout. You don't have to be... Because I see some fans throwing the uh, na- the word um, couch coach out there. You don't have to be an expert on these things to know that what the coaches are telling you is BS. Uh, Joshua says, the lie detector... <laughs> The lie detector determined that was a lie. Yes, that was indeed a lie. Again, I'm not expecting coaches to throw guys under the bus. I'm really not. But don't feed us bullshit, please. I have eyes. I have a brain. I have common sense. I can watch these things and tell you that Kadair Sony is not doing good. In fact, it's the complete opposite of good. It's horrible this year. Horrible. Uh, Elaine says, need to get... Touchdowns when the Chiefs are in the red zone. The Chiefs have no problems moving the football. That's not been the issue this year. But when they do get to the red zone, you do see them stall a bit. Uh, when it, whenever you see them having a good drive, it goes off a player's hand. Someone fumbles, and Rasheed Rice is part of that. But you're willing to cut him a little bit of slack because he's been your best receiver so far this year. Uh, Sam says, in your opinion, can the chiefs cover the spread against the Raiders? I sure as hell hope so, because I have a five game parlay so far. I'm one for one and, uh, all of them I have covering the spread and the chiefs are part of that. So yes, Sam, I do think so. And I'll get to my score prediction a little later on. Uh, Jamie says, why don't we line up CEH and our other running backs at slot? Um, you'll, you they are, they are certainly doing that. Now you can't do that every, here's my thing. Um, if I had to tell you my top five most reliable pass catchers, I uh, will give you six, uh, all the running backs. So CEH Clyde Edwards, uh, I, I just said CH, uh, Jack McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, uh, Noah Gray, uh, Rasheed Rice. Now, those guys cannot play every single snap. You got to rotate your guys in and out. Um, You hardly ever see a wide receiver or a tight end or a running back play every single snap. Uh, That's just not the case. So uh, you're going to see those guys get involved, I think, more as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, which we are very close to that point right now. Uh, Because if you're Andy Reid and if you're the Chiefs, yeah, sure. MVS is fast. Sure. Cadarius Tony's fast, but they've been a liability this year. So you're going to have to look at who is reliable and not a liability. Well, CEH has been somewhat reliable. Um, you look at um, Isaiah Pacheco coming back from injury. We'll see uh, how many snaps he gets in this first game back, but... This is a guy that's been very consistent for you this year. Jarek McKinnon, uh, he he got a little, he got the hot hand last week. Uh, hopefully his injury is not going to make him miss any games uh, or at least too many games because they need him. So uh, you're definitely going to see some of that though, Jamie. Uh, no question about it. You're already seeing some of it. You just can't do it every single play. You just can't. Uh, Rochelle says, what happened with Russell Wilson and his coach? Uh, well, they did have a blow up on the sideline in the uh, Lions game. I think, you know, and I know the Broncos have been playing much better lately, but I think there's still this stigma of Russell Wilson and, you know, how he came into the team with his own office and all these things and not really relating to the rest of the team. Um, listen, Patrick Mahomes and his wife, um, don't get me wrong, they do a lot of great in the community, but they're not relatable people. Um, Brittany, I think, was showing off on her uh, social media uh, a very expensive uh, earmuffs from Burberry. And listen, I'm not shaming it. It, it. she It's her money. They earn it. Do whatever you want. But how many people are uh, making that kind of purchase? Not a lot. Um, they don't ever they used to fly first class. I know they would post that on social media, but now they fly privately um, on, on charter flights because they're going to get swarmed by everyone. If they do uh, fly first class publicly, um, th- they're just not um, as relatable uh, in those uh, kinds of regards there. And I think that's the thing that's going on with Russell Wilson that, you know, he's kind of living that lifestyle, too, especially with his wife's net worth. Um, but Patrick Mahomes has made plenty of attempts to connect with his teammates um, every year. I mean, you saw uh, recently on social media, he just got uh, golf carts custom made golf carts for his offensive line. He also um, got them golf clubs the year before uh, hooked them up with some goodies in years past too. Um, so you have that, but Russell Wilson, I don't know if he's made any attempt to try to connect with his teammates and be more relatable with them i don't think he has i don't think he has um yeah that blow up on the sideline never good luck never a good look but it's never too late man it is never too late to me you still have some time we still got uh, some uh we still have the game to break down uh joshua says i want to see more two and three tight end sets how about you um yeah i certainly do um you know, I, I don't want to knock on Blake Bell for one mistake, but this late in the season when, you know, you have a rookie linebacker that comes and snags that ball away from you, uh, fighting tooth and nail for that football for an interception, it is kind of hard to want to rely on him a little more. Um, I, I like Jody Fortson. I really do. But Jody Fortson unfortunately is injured and um, not a part of the team this year. So, um, you know, uh, I'd like to see more two tight end sets that I will agree with 100%. Yeah. Pacheco will be on the field. That will be good to see. Jim says Chris Jones was upset. Yeah. It's funny. The, um, uh, the defensive line coach was talking because the question was brought up about how uh, him and Chris kind of um, had that little uh, moment on the sidelines during the Buffalo Bills game. And the uh, coach threw the tablet down. And uh, one question was asked, uh, did the uh, Microsoft surface survive? He goes, yes, the Microsoft service did survive, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, and good promotion for Microsoft Surface. Casey needs to come out running and gunning. Yeah, I certainly uh, think you know, g- go with your strengths. Right now, those um those deep passes uh, are, are just not there for you. They're really not. Um, they're really really not. Uh, I've said this many times. Go back to the Alex Smith Dink and Dunk passing uh, offense. What's wrong with that? Okay, you can you can win with that style of football if you're the Chiefs. Don't force things that are just not happening. And if you do more of the dink and dunk, short yardage, medium uh, yardage uh, types of uh, passes, well, then the long game will open up late in the late in a game when the defense is tired out and you're going to beat them. You just got to hope the guy you're throwing it to catches it. That's all. Chris Jones seemed upset about the golf cards. I think he was being facetious. Listen, Chris Jones is making a shit ton of money, so I don't... If he wants one for himself, he can certainly afford that. Now, for the rest of his defensive line, uh, his teammates up there at the line of scrimmage, maybe not so much, but um, I think he was being facetious with all of that. Uh, Real quickly, I do want to touch on this. Uh, Colby Covington went after Travis Kelsey. For those of you who don't know who Colby Covington is, he is a UFC fighter who fights in the welterweight division. Uh, Really a phenomenal fighter whose wrestling is his biggest strength. And, um has been one of the top welterweights for several years now. Uh, He fought for the UFC welterweight title this past Saturday and lost, and he's actually now 0-3 in undisputed title fights. He did win the interim welterweight title, but, you know, it's it's the interim title. Um, It's not really—and it was stripped from him due to inactivity. Uh, Now, uh, some background worth noting. Colby Covington was not a guy that anyone ever talked about. But he fought in Brazil once, and he won, and he just lashed out at the Brazilian crowd, calling them certain names that I don't want to repeat on here. Um, Yeah, and then he uh, put out his mass support for Donald Trump. And now I don't care what his politics are, have whatever politics you want, but he has built this character of, yeah, I'm going to make the welterweight division great great again, just like how Donald Trump is going to make America great again. It's like, okay, now you're just you're using someone else's gimmick i'm not i'm not trying to say donald trump as a gimmick that's a slogan every politician has a slogan um but he's using that so hard um keeps talking about making the ufc great again making the welterweight division great again uh, it's like dude come on chill out a little bit and in every like interview he he does He'll always, like, turn a few questions into Donald Trump when it has nothing to do with Trump, and we'll talk about him making America great. It's like, dude, chill out. Now, Colby Covington has been very controversial. He has attacked upcoming opponents on personal level to the point where they've actually confronted him in public. In fact, he actually uh, suffered a chipped tooth. Uh, One of his opponents and former friends met him at a nightclub, and they, let's just say, they went at each other. Uh, at that nightclub when he did not expect it. Uh, his opponent this past weekend, Leon Edwards, the welterweight champion. Uh, Leon Edwards lost his father at the age of 13, was murdered at a uh, at a nightclub. Um, Colby Covington brought that up in a press conference to try to get under his skin and to use it for entertainment purposes to try to sell the fight and get more pay-per-view buys, uh, which I just don't agree with. Uh, Dana White, the president of the UFC, he said he he certainly does not agree with the comment, but um, he uh, he also tried to justify it by saying, well, pay-per-view sales went up 25%. Come on, man. Uh, Listen, a lot of fighters talk shit, but a lot of fighters don't bring up family members. In fact, a lot of UFC fighters are parading around his loss because he looked horrible. He blamed it on ring rust one day. He goes to Fox News and says... He didn't win because the judges don't want to award him a, a, the the title because he's connected to Donald Trump. Then he goes on a podcast, the PBD podcast, and he blamed it on his leg that he broke. Now, on the same PBD podcast, um, they spend a lot of time talking about politics, the First Amendment, all these things. And Colby Covington is proud of the fact that he does speak freely. And he talks about the fact that NBA players cannot speak freely. And he also brings up the fact that Travis Kelsey is doing the left's work here because he's doing a Pfizer commercial. In fact, the uh, specific quote from Colby Covington is uh, Travis Kelsey is one of the biggest pieces of shit of all time. Uh, the fact that he is advising people to do that, to get two, uh two shots at once. If you guys saw the commercial. You know, he's not doing it. He's just telling people to do it because he's getting paid off and bought for by Pfizer. It's disgusting Uh, that he talks about the relationship between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, because that was also brought up on the same podcast. And Colby Covington says that's a fake relationship. That's just the left putting these two powerful figures together so they can be role models and teach these nasty things to kids today. You can tell that the left is just going after the most famous people they can the athletes, the celebrities, the entertainers, and they're just getting uh, in them to shove their narrative down these kids' throats. So according to Colby Covington, uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, they are uh, put together by the left to be role models for them and to teach them nasty things, to teach kids nasty things, because this is the same guy that brought up someone's dead father uh, two days before a fight, the same guy who goes after another opponent's family, bringing up his kids, the same guy who is bringing up a lot of racial comments about other fighters here and there. But Travis Kelsey is the nasty one and is the, the bad guy here. You know what's interesting? Um, Colby Covington uh, he is. So the way the UFC uh, press conferences work on Wednesday, all the fighters do solo press conferences. So at different times, they'll come out and meet the media. Then on Thursday before the fight, which is usually on a Saturday, the fighters will do a group press conference, usually like the key fighters. Um, and this past week, there were a lot of big name fighters. So they had uh, they had eight fighters. Uh, doing a group press conference together. And that's where you get a lot of back and forth trash talking. And that's kind of, you know, what fans want to see in that sport. Um, When Colby Covington did his solo press conference, he left the stage, but then he came back and goes, oh, F LeBron James. He likes China. He doesn't like the USA. Um, And he's been going after LeBron for quite some time. In Saturday's post-fight press conference, Covington actually went after Travis Kelsey uh, and brought up the whole Pfizer commercial and then brought it up again on this PBD podcast. So he's gone from going after LeBron James, who never gave uh, Kobe Covington any kind of attention. Now he's going after Travis Kelsey because I guess Kelsey and Swift both lean towards the left. And I, I don't know, man, um, like when people bring politics into things, I, I don't give a damn. Long story short, I think everyone lies. I used to be for a side. I used to be on both sides at one point in the past. Everyone lies, man. I mean, it's politics. I've learned that a lot over the years, um, more recently at least. Um, But this whole thing, man, like to, to go after people's family members and now like, you know, and by the way, isn't Colby, you know, part of the crowd that says people should be free to think whatever they want? but you're criticizing someone else for doing a commercial. And again, listen, here's my thing, by the way, with Pfizer paying Travis Kelsey, supposedly $20 million. Um, me personally, I don't get swayed over very easily just because of a favor of a favorite athlete of mine. You know, um, my favorite actor could be doing, um, could be doing uh pizza commercials. I'm, Excuse me, I'm not going to start eating Pizza Hut because my favorite actor does it. Um, Patrick Mahomes obviously does Coors Light commercials. You know, you shouldn't be drinking Coors Light because your favorite quarterback is doing Coors Light commercials. You should drink it because you like it. Um, I don't get easily influenced with that kind of thing personally. Some people do. Uh, By the way, why do you think a lot of politicians reach out and ask for endorsements? Why do you think Pfizer reached out to Travis Kelsey? Because they know that those guys, they have a massive audience. They have a massive following. They got a big reach. Now, I'm sure Pfizer knew that Travis Kelsey would get a lot of blowback. I'm sure Travis Kelsey knew that he would get a lot of blowback for uh, that Pfizer commercial, but. They're reportedly paying him $20 million. Man, you want to pay me that much money to promote the vaccine? Show me the $20 million. Show me the check. And I will say, yeah, put two Band-Aids on my right arm. And I will uh, flex. I'll I'll flex for the camera and say two things at once. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I would never do that. Well, wait until $20 million is offered to you. You really would not do it. Anyway... I don't want to get um, too uh, too further into it, but uh, is Travis Kelsey going to respond? Hopefully not, because um, I do think it's funny that Colby Cummington tried to get LeBron James' attention and could not get a response from him. He claims he was about to confront LeBron James, but his bodyguards would not allow it. Yeah, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Uh, anyway, had to bring that up uh, because that is the thing going on right now. Last time out, I want to take here give a shout out to Manscaped. Manscaped is a proud sponsor of the Chief Zone podcast, and I'll tell you what—maybe a little too late to order online and get something in time for Christmas, but it's never too late to make the right decision by switching over to Manscaped. Manscaped's got a lot of great products out there. The Lawnmower 5.0. I started with the Lawnmower 4.0. That was my first product from Manscaped, and I was very impressed with this. You want to take care of the grooming below the belt? The Lawnmower 5.0 is the place to go. You got a big beard. You got to go tea like me. You want to take care of and make it nice. Make it look good, especially for the camera. When I do video podcasts, the Beard Hedger is for you from Manscaped. Manscaped's got a lot of great products. Uh, so many great, uh, products for facial hair, body hair, whatever the case might be, whatever you are looking for manscapes. got it. I also got some nice t-shirts, very comfortable, very good quality sh- uh, shirts, boxers, Take advantage of that. Go to manscaped.com and take advantage of my promo code Farzine20 from Manscaped. You can save 20% off and get free shipping from Manscaped when you enter the promo code Farzine20 at checkout. Go to manscaped.com, get what you want, and at checkout, don't forget, put in my promo code Farzine20 for 20% off and free shipping from Manscaped. All right, let's get right into it. Chiefs and Raiders. The Chiefs are eighteen and three against the Raiders ever since Andy Reid took over as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs can win the AFC West with a win on Monday. Uh, now, if um, the Broncos lose and the Chiefs tie, the Chiefs can also win the AFC West that way. Don't anticipate to be the. Don't anticipate that to be the case. Announcers for this game: Jim Nance and Tony Romo on CBS. However, if you would like to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast of this. And I'm not going to lie, I'm actually going to DVR this and watch it later. Noah Eagle, who is Ian Eagle's son, Nate Burleson, and Dylan Schefter will be on the Nickelodeon broadcast. Plus, I'm excited for this. This is actually the reason I'm going to DVR it and watch it later. You will get special analysis from Raphael and Donatello of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) I will never turn down analysis from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so they can talk about the Chiefs receivers dropping passes. I will 100% take the Ninja Turtles over Tony Romo. I think some people might do so as well. Referee Blakeman, head coach for the... Uh, by the way, uh, Blakeman, yeah, uh, go ahead and uh, prepare your complaints, win or lose. You know, some uh Chiefs haters are going to complain about the rest after this game. Uh, head coach for the uh Raiders, interim head coach Antonio Pierce. Raiders are six and eight on the season, had a little bit of a hot streak going with Pierce, and then that game crashing down real fast. Offensive coordinator also interim OC Bo Hardgree. Total offense 29th, fourth worst in the NFL, it's 22nd in passing, dead last in rushing, 24th in points per game, scoring just under 19 points per game. Uh, 25th and third down offense and 22nd in the red zone Raiders are coming off a 63 to 21 whiplashing win over the chargers, which essentially chased out Brandon Staley out of LA Raiders were up 49, nothing early in the third quarter before the chargers finally got in on the, uh, on the scoring, got a few touchdowns in the end there quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. He's got a touchdown, seven picks on the year, 1,613 yards. He had four touchdowns, no turnovers was sacked just once and threw for 248 yards. Against the Chargers was twenty of thirty-four passing, fifty-nine percent completion percentage. So not a very high completion percentage, but enough to get the job done for sure. The previous week when the Raiders lost three nothing at home to the Vikings, A. O'Connell threw no touchdowns, had an interception, had, was sacked four times, and threw for just one hundred and seventy-one yards. In fact, he had a higher completion percentage that week. Was twenty-one of thirty-two, had sixty-six uh, 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 percent of his passes completed. And the Raiders lost to the Vikings 3-0. to nothing. Uh, The last time the Chiefs and Raiders played in Las Vegas, I was uh, there for that. And O'Connell threw a touchdown. No picks, was sacked once, but did throw for 248 yards, was 23 of 33 passing, 70% completion percentage there against the Chiefs in Week 12. Uh, And here's the thing. I I think during that time, too, I was complaining about the Chiefs' uh, lack of pass rush at the time. I think they've picked it up a little bit lately. You got to go after Aiden O'Connell here. You have to. And I think if the Chiefs did that, I don't think the Raiders would have even gotten to 17 points in that game. Uh, Got off to a 14-0 start in that one, if you remember. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a part of that. Uh, he uh, has ran for 805 yards, averaging three and a half yards per carry, six touchdowns this year. He's 12th in rushing yards. He has the second most attempts this year behind Christian McCaffrey, which is interesting because he's not playing very well this year, but they keep feeding him the ball because they don't trust their quarterbacks right now. Now, he does have a quad injury, did not play last week, did not practice Thursday. So we'll see. If he will be available for Sunday or uh, excuse me, Monday's game. Rather, he had 20 rushes for 110 yards against the Chiefs. Obviously had that big touchdown run to make it 14, nothing in the game. Uh, That's just one of two games this year where he has ran for 100 yards on the season. Now, their backup running back is Amir White. He's got a touchdown at 123 yards. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. So um, almost the same as. Josh Jacobs, he was a fourth round pick last year from Georgia. He's never had more than four carries in a game in the almost two years he's been in the NFL until last week against the Chargers, where he ran 17 times for 69 yards and a touchdown. He also had three catches for 16 yards against the Chargers in that blowout win. Amir Abdullah, another running back who might get involved, might be pretty active um, if uh, Josh Jacobs cannot go. Uh, Abdullah ran six times for 32 yards against the Chargers. Devontae Adams, one of the better receivers in the NFL. He has 84 catches for 968 yards, just outside of the top 10 in both catches and receiving yards in the NFL this year. He's got five touchdowns on the season. He had eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown against the Chargers. That's just his second 100 yard receiving game on the year. His first since week three against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had seven catches for 53 yards against the Vikings in that three, nothing lost the Raiders suffered and against the chiefs in week 12, he had five for 73 yards, obviously luxurious need doing a great job this year against some top tier uh, wide receivers, Devonte Adams included in that Jacoby Myers. He had 59 catches uh, or excuse me. He has 59 catches for 648 yards and seven touchdowns on the year. He leads a team in touchdown grabs with seven uh, and he had two for 32 and a touchdown last week. He was also two of two passing for 12 yards and a touchdown against the Chargers. So he got in on the uh, passing action a little bit there. Hunter Renfro, he has 25 catches for 255 yards. Rookie wide receiver Trey Tucker, former Cincinnati Bearcat, uh, drafted in the third round this year. He had three catches for 59 yards and two touchdowns last week. He did not have a catch for three consecutive games before that. And their tight end, Michael Mayer, he has 27 catches for 304 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Um, he scored against the Chargers as well. The Raiders have touchdown passes to just four different players this year. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Trey Tucker, who scored for the first time uh, this past week, and Michael Mayer. Those are the only four players who have caught a touchdown pass for the Raiders this year. Um, Just for comparison's sake, the Raiders have touchdown passes to four different pass catchers. But they have a rushing touchdown with five different players. That's bad. That that is that deserves a trombone here. A couple of uh, offensive linemen to highlight: uh, Thayer Munford Jr., one of the better run blockers in the NFL, their left tackle. Uh, in fact, that's where Josh Jacobs ran to the left side behind Munford Jr. to get that big run against Kansas City in Week 12. Jermaine Elmore one of the better right tackles as well. Greg Van Roten, former Buffalo Bill, one of the better uh, offensive guards as well. Uh, his matchup uh, against Chris Jones should be fun to watch in this game. So that is the Raiders' offense in a nutshell for you. Switching over to the Raiders' defense, coordinated by Patrick Graham. 17th in total defense, 11th against the pass, 23rd against the run, And they are ninth in the NFL in points per game allowed, just allowing 20 points per game. They held the Giants to six points, held the Jets to 12 points, held the Dolphins to 20 points. That's actually pretty impressive for the Raiders. Held the Vikings to three despite losing that one. Held the Chargers to 21 in what was a blowout. Um, Obviously, their defense kind of playing soft in the second half when they were already up 49-0, so you can hardly really – say anything about the 21 points when you're winning in a blowout and scoring in the 60s. They're tied sixth, though, for the worst third-down defense in the NFL, and I think that's going to be very important for Kansas City because the Chiefs do have one of the better third-down offenses in the NFL. If I'm not mistaken, I think they have the fifth-best offense. Yeah, they have the fifth-best third-down offense in the NFL, so you've got to hope if you're Kansas City you take advantage of this because having a top five third down offense and going up against the uh, uh team that's tied for sixth worst on third down, that is definitely something you want to have uh at your uh advantage there. So definitely uh something the Chiefs need to um need to utilize in this game. Uh now, those are five of the last six games I mentioned. I obviously did not mention the Chiefs game who scored 31 against this Raiders team that has been very good at not allowing a lot of points. But when you team, face, a, face a team like the Chiefs, even though their offense has not been great, um, you see uh, you definitely see um, the Chiefs uh, being able to uh, do some things that other teams are not able to do on the Raiders' defense. Chiefs' offense wasn't really that bad, too, w- w- now that I think of it. They only ran four plays in the first quarter, and I think the Raiders did a really good job of controlling the ball and, and here's what I will say about the Raiders I think their worst mistake in the first half before the Chiefs uh tied the game was kicking a field goal on, on like fourth and one it was I think it was like a 30-yard field goal attempt um I have it on here I'll look it up later on um yeah it was a 30-yard field goal attempt and Daniel Carlson missed why did you go for a field goal? You went for it on fourth down earlier on the drive. You were controlling the game. The Chiefs defense had absolutely no answer whatsoever for that Raiders defense. So I was really surprised that the Raiders did that. That was the Chiefs best play during the 14 nothing deficit was the Raiders not going for it and missing a field goal. Um, now, keep one thing in mind with the Raiders, and they brought this up after losing to the Chiefs in Week 12. The Raiders were up 17-0 on the Chiefs last year on Monday Night Football. And they were up 14-0 on the Chiefs this year in Week 12 on the Chiefs. So the Chiefs seem to have this weird thing for letting the Raiders get off to early starts uh, in two of the last three meetings. So I would have to imagine that if you're Andy Reid and if you're Steve Spagnuolo, um, I mean, the entire coaching staff, not just the defensive side, I would imagine there's a, a very important point of emphasis being made about not allowing the Raiders to get off to a hot start like that. Because as great as the Chiefs have been in coming back in these kinds of situations, you're—I mean—at some point, it's not—it's not always going to happen here. And if you're the Raiders, um, and if you do get off to that kind of a start. You got to utilize that running game. Even though Josh Jacobs has not been good, the Chiefs in particular have not been great at stopping running backs. So if the Raiders do get off to a really good start like that, man, you better utilize that running game. Uh, looking at the Raiders' defense uh, specific players, Max Crosby, who is currently dealing with a knee injury. He was doubtful the last time the Chiefs and Raiders played, but he ended up playing. In fact, he got a sack on Patrick Mahomes in that one. Everyone talking about these two guys going at it. Um, of course, if you saw uh, uh, quarterback on Netflix, you saw those two guys. We finally found out what they said. Um, I still remember uh, the, uh, the whole thing uh, when it happened, but we didn't know exactly specifically what was said. So um, everyone talking about that uh, moment um, again uh, brought it up the first time. Uh, We were getting ready to see those two teams played, and it's being brought up again. Max Crosby, man, this guy is insane, though. 13 and a half sacks, uh, tied fifth in the NFL, and um, he's also second in the NFL in tackles for a loss with 19. Um, The dude's a monster. He really might be one of the better overall pass rushers. Not just good um, at trying to put pressure on quarterbacks, but also really good at stopping the run, too. Um, he's a phenomenal player. He might be, I, I mean, he's arguably the Raiders best player and the best player they've had the past couple of years. Um, now he does have have knee injury, but I don't think Max Crosby is going to be missing a, uh, chiefs Raiders game. There's, I mean, you would have to cut off his legs to make him miss the game. So Max Crosby is not missing the game. hundred percent. Not Malcolm counts. The, uh, other defensive end for the Raiders has got four sacks on the year. Two of them, in that Chargers blowout win on Easton stick last week. And by the way, let me um, let me pull this up real quickly. I actually did not have this. Um, let me quickly go to pro football focus here. Uh, I should have had this ready, but I didn't. So I apologize for this. Uh, while we're waiting, Robert Spillane, one of the better linebackers in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, the guy does seem to have a hand in every part of that Raiders defense. Uh, when you look at what he does, uh, He's 11th in the NFL in tackles uh, with 119, three and a half sacks, six pass deflections, three interceptions, a forced fumble, six tackles for a loss. When you compare those numbers to other uh, middle linebackers across the NFL, those are numbers that you do not see uh, other linebackers have. Um, This guy seems to have a hand all over. Would not surprise me. Uh, if Spillane is going to be part of the Pro Bowl or the all Pro, You guys know my thoughts on the Pro Bowl. I think it's honestly lame with the voting and all that. You see a lot of bad players that get into the Pro Bowl, um, but I do think that uh, Spillane should 100% be considered um, for Pro Bowl and All-Pro honors, for sure. Uh, now, the thing I wanted to bring up, um, uh, Max Crosby, is he on the left side or the right side? He is on the left side, so he's going to be going up against Jawan Taylor. Coates is going to be going up against Wanya Morris. Um, rookie left tackle so you know the Raiders definitely want to try to beat uh, a rookie anytime they can to get to Patrick Mahomes because that is how you beat elite quarterbacks trying to find that weakness on the offensive line to get to him Jawan Taylor yeah I know he leads the NFL on uh, penalties by a wide margin but when it comes to his win rates at the line of scrimmage he does win a lot of his battles there uh, he is one of the better right tackles in the NFL for sure just gotta take care of all the pre-step shit and the and uh, the penalties and he'll be an overall a better uh right tackle for the team um the contract not looking too good though uh quarterback Jack Jones uh he had a pick six against the Chargers. Uh former New England Patriot, by the way, he made his Raiders debut against the Chiefs in uh, in Week 12. Emick Robertson, he's got two picks on the year as well. Quarterback Nate Hobbs might see uh, a lot of action uh, against Rasheed Rice in this one here. So for those who want to see Rasheed Rice go off, he's probably going to be going up against Hobbs. And if not, uh, it would not surprise me if the, if the Raiders try to line him up. Uh, or try to line Jack Jones up against Rishi Rice, that is. And then you have the safeties, who not really the best, and I think the Chiefs can try to um, try to expose those, uh, try to exploit that weakness in this game. And Trayvon Morig, who has a pair of picks, and then you also have Marcus Epps, the free safety for the Raiders. DeAndre Carter, the return specialist for the Raiders, he's averaging 23.6 yards per kick return and 10.7 per yards per punt return, so nothing spectacular there. I mentioned Daniel Carlson earlier, he's made all 20 27 PATs, 20 of 24 field goals this year. He had that miss against the chiefs also did make a field goal. in that one as well uh, to make it 17 points for the Raiders did not attempt a field goal last week, made all nine PATs in that blowout win over the chargers. And I mentioned earlier, he did miss that 30 yard field goal against the chiefs. AJ Cole, uh, one of the better players for the Raiders this year, second best punting average in the NFL and leads the NFL in net uh, punt net average this season um, for the Raiders. So uh, that's definitely one of the few bright spots the Raiders have had this year. Okay, you guys have heard all of my uh, commentary up to this point, all of my thoughts, both the Raiders' offense and defense in a nutshell, as well as their special teams unit. And now I'll give you guys my score prediction. I am going, I said, what did I say last time? I think I said 34-17, and I was very close the last time the Chiefs and Raiders played. It ended up being 31-17. Um... Yeah, why not? Let's make it similar. I'm going to go 35-17 this time. I think the Chiefs go off. I think Travis Kelsey will get his 1,000 yards for the season in this game. And the Chiefs will win the AFC West for the eighth year in a row. And uh, what a better way to do it than uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll read a few more comments before I get out of here. Like I said, we're not doing a Red Friday live chat today. So uh, we'll uh, we'll do it uh, by making up for this on... um On this podcast. Rochelle says, I agree with you on the influence. If I don't like the product, I will not buy it. I think Kelsey with me. Okay. I I get the idea there. Um, Yeah. Listen, I know. um, I know Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew in 2020 were encouraging people to vote. And I think that's awesome. I know Taylor Swift uh, was doing uh, voter registration drives also. Um, I know that was brought up. So, I mean, listen, uh, I'm never going to vote because someone is telling me to vote a certain way. Um, But again, there's a reason why companies reach out to these people, these celebrities. There's a reason why politicians ask for endorsements because they know that these people do have influence. Uh, Elaine says, shout out to Drew Locke. Yes, Lee Summit High School graduate. Yes, indeed. Obviously went to Mizzou. Um, So that was pretty cool to see uh, Drew Locke do his. Man, he was wheeling and dealing on that final drive. Um, that was awesome. That was awesome to see. Yes. Patrick Mahomes is 10 and one all time against the Las Vegas Raiders. You are correct. Joshua, for sure. Uh, Rochelle says, I hope they beat the Raiders. They stole, uh, like they stole something and say, Merry Christmas. Here's your present. Uh, Samuel says chiefs defense is too good. The Raiders will be lucky to put up 20 in this game. Why hasn't Andy adjusted our offense to suit our personnel or is Nagy the, uh, to blame for the lack of adjustments. Okay, that's a really good question. We've, we've we've kind of discussed this thing a lot this year. I think part of it is Nagy because here's the thing: this is, it doesn't matter if it's um, Doug Peterson, doesn't matter if it's Matt Nagy or Eric Bieniemy or Nagy again. This has always been Andy Reid's offense. Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy—they've just been really the enforcers of this offense. That's how I describe it. Um, they try to implement what Andy wants and try to do the things that Reed wants to see with this offense. Um, I'm sure they have their influence and in, in certain things they will put in uh, to try to um, try to contribute to uh, the coaching staff in a certain way. After all, they, I mean, those are all coordinators we're talking about here. Um, but in terms of... Adjustments. That is more on Andy Reid than it is on Matt Nagy, I think, Ray, uh, because this is his offense. Um, he's a play caller. This is his show. This is the uh, offense that he has control of and the offense that he's built. It's always been that way, even in Philadelphia. So I would say that's more on Andy. Uh, now, Andy's the kind of guy that just doesn't give up on guys like MBS and Kadarius Stoney. Um, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's just the way it's kind of been for him. Kind of reminds me of a lot of Dick Vermeil, who was always very, always willing to give chances to guys, no matter how much they were struggling. And I think Andy Reid has a lot of that in him, for sure. Max Crosby, you yeah, for sure. Um, I know TJ Watts having a great year, but I think Max Crosby... Might be. And by the way, I failed to mention this. I I saw this on, um, I can't remember who the Raiders were playing, but Kevin Harlan and Trent Green were uh, calling the game and they were talking about the amount of snaps that Max Crosby plays. And let me see if I can pull that up on Pro Football Reference because they do a good job of pointing that stuff out. The amount of snaps that this guy plays is, I mean, it's wild. Um, He plays a lot for... That Raiders defense. Gosh, why is it so hard to pull up here? Um, let's see here. What do I got to do? Bear with me, guys. Crosby's only... When did Crosby get into the NFL? Um, I'm having a difficult time finding that as well. Interesting. Oh, 2019. I don't know. I mean, if for some reason, it feels like Crosby's been around longer than that. I don't know why. Um. Yeah. Okay. So you look at the amount of snaps he's played. So last week against the Chargers, he played 60% of the snaps because it was a blowout. Um, but before that, against the Vikings, he played 97% of the snaps against the Chiefs. He played 82% of the snaps against the Dolphins, Jets, Giants. And Lions, in the span of four consecutive games, he played 100% of the snaps. The week before that, he played 97% of the snaps against the Bears. And in three other games, the Chargers, the Packers, and the Patriots played 100% of the snaps. Nobody plays as much as Max Crosby does at that position. Nobody. Um, in fact, it kind of surprises me that we see more defensive backs play nearly 100% of the snaps. Sometimes they uh, play all, all the snaps. Um Because those guys probably do a lot more of the running than pass rushers do. I get defensive backs are far better in shape than a pass rusher. But man, um, Max Crosby, like the guy just does not want a break. Uh, None whatsoever. Uh, Every game this year, with the exception of two, he's played at least 90% of the snaps. And one of them was a blowout win over the Chargers last week. Um, the other one was against the Chiefs where he was doubtful to play, which was 82%. Um, this was fucking tough, man. Like, y- you hate the guy, but you got to respect the guy. That's that's how it is with Max Crosby. Uh, let's see. Bob says the Raiders team is dangerous. We have to get off to a good start and complete, compete. 24-17. Rochelle says 31-21. to Clairvoyant says, I hope I said your name right, uh, Chiefs going to win. Uh, I don't think he's ruled out just yet, Jeff. I don't think he's ruled out just yet. Andy is probably using, is used to seeing guys like Tony and wants to give him a chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, he has had a lot of fast guys in the past. Guys like DeAnthony Thomas, Dexter McCluster, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson. Um, I mean, he, you're right. He has seen a lot of guys with skill sets similar to Kadarius Tony. Um, but man, he's just not cutting it. It, it. You just gotta, you just gotta, um. Just gotta be aware i hope uh this info about crosby casey is looking at it. oh 100 listen i'm sure the team has other info that we don't know for sure all right guys i'm gonna go ahead and wrap things up here uh, for those of you who made it all the way through, thank you guys so much. Uh, this is the last show before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all of you guys. Big thanks to all of you. Um, this has been a great year for the Chiefstone Podcast. Brought it back this year. I was a little nervous. Didn't know if people would tune in. But, man, you guys have absolutely killed it. Uh, we're not doing a Red Friday live chat today. But whatever we do a Red Friday live chat, I always started thinking no one's gonna watch it's friday night people have better things to do and we always have a lot of people who tune in so uh merry christmas happy holidays to all of you guys enjoy your weekend with family if you guys are working on the holidays uh props to you i've been there before it's not fun so much props and much respect for those of you who are going to be working on christmas and christmas eve all right guys my name is farzi vasuki and that'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on podcast i am out enjoy the game talk to you monday